Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. When you've seen Home Alone a few dozen times, you start to notice things. Join us as our panel of expert cinephiles make plain the hidden supernatural reality that kept Kevin McAllister trapped in his house, the front door Santa. Along the way, you'll get spoilers for Home Alone and Home Alone 2, as well as Labyrinth, Krampus, and Christmas with the Cranks. Uh, listeners, I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's quite late. On it's the 11. Oh it's, my, it's 11. They don't know. What do you do? It could have been quite late. Yeah. It could have been so much I mean, later. It, it's been dark outside for six hours. Maybe fine, that's fine. Fine. Hey, we're hey, in the cool We were up late last night that's prepping we, for this we episode. We had a Home Alone party late into the night. Yes, which will tie into this episode yeah. heavily. What is it? The, December 21st is the winter solstice? I don't know. What, what am I, a calendar? Yeah. What is, the that? Solstice. I mean, is that the right? Yes. Yeah, the solstice. solstice is the longest day of the year. No, shortest day. Longest, longest night day. of there the year. Go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank God Mike's here. Longest <laughs> night of the year. Yes. And so even though it's 11 p.m., we, we've, been, we've been sitting in, inside it's the, the time lights of on year for six that it hours. Feels like yeah. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas, Christmas most, tree. The most wonderful time. Alongside it's the most nightish time of the There's year. There's no lights twinkling. I don't actually don't see any Christmas lights twinkling. It's so it's not bummer. as much magic as you'd hope at Christmas time. What in my house? Yeah, you need you it's need pretty. things to twinkle. Yeah, I like more lights. Oh, I don't have. Sorry, all of my lights are just on. Yeah, They're stationary. Uh, the neighbors across no the street actually hung up. They they waited until just yesterday. This is uh, on December. What what's today now at this point? Sixteenth. So on the fifteenth, they're ten days away from Christmas. They're like, ah, crap. We might as well just hang some light. I think they were being punked out by the rest of the neighborhood. Uh-huh. You the, know, the it's the like dude, the crank. The, dude on the other though. side of the block has got crazy amount of lights. I know. There's here. lights all over this neighborhood. So this neighbor's finally like, ah, oh, fine. We'll hang up some daggum lights. They got small children and everything. They get out there. They're out there all day. Uh, he hangs up these twinkly icicle lights. They're not even on. Exactly. And then he goes back out and gets them all down. We think that he hung them up going the wrong way. They put them all back up again, and they don't even turn them on. What's going on over there, guys? Man. They're struggling. We need to just knock on the door right now and yeah. ask them if they need some help. I don't like <laughs> yeah. this. Just marital help in general. So all that to say, <laughs> it's not actually <laughs> so late in the grand scheme of things, but it's been a long day uh, because we've been partying so hard. Christmas, man. Christmas and Home Alone party. Yep. Last so night, which you can read about. You want to promote that great uh, blog that you posted? Yeah, well, if you're, new, last year? If you're new to listening to You Hate Movies... We ha- we hold a uh, tradition very close to our hearts where we get together once a year, uh, usually at Christmas time, uh-huh. and we do a double feature of Home Alone. Actually, yeah. always. Is it, yeah, that's typically right. It's usually at Christmas time. Yeah. So far, <laughs> we could try a July one. I, when I was I'm a kid, I, I watched them year round. I actually did too, especially the first one. Yeah, but then you learn. Then you but then you're like, yeah. oh wait, this is not this, this is not right. This, this fits very squarely in the criteria for being a Christmas yeah, film. Watching it out of the season is an, uh, an abomination unto Santa. Right, unless you're seven, and then we'll allow it. But uh, we get together every Christmas for a double feature of the Home Alone franchise. Home Alone Grindhouse. We only recognize the first two as canon, and then we have a, a party that goes along. And we have a wonderful blog post if you want to yeah. throw your own Home Alone party. A lot of tips and <laughs> tricks. <laughs> wow. It's a... <laughs> It's I a great blogs. Uh, I have a hard time promoting blogs. You could pin them. You could pin them. I pin heard, it, bro. I heard an ad on the radio today that was like, 
Get your pens together because you're going to see the best. I was like, that's <laughs> if you need to gather your pens. Yeah, I was like, you're going to be penning everything you see at the market <laughs> today. I was like, what? what? So you're going to be yeah. taking photos and then putting them on a Pinterest board? Yeah, yeah, let me try it another way. You won't believe what you read on our Christmas yeah. Home Alone party. They that's host good. a Home Alone party. You'll, You'll never, never believe <laughs> what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> or, or top 10 things to have at your next Christmas Home Alone party. And we also have an episode, as I recall, of Home Alone versus Home Alone 2. That was yeah. a great episode, yeah. There's some trivia in there, some um, some Saver Kill. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And fun fact, we recorded that episode immediately after a Home Alone party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so so go back and revisit those things. So we've been partying hard. Now you have a little context. It's not that late in the grand scheme of things, but it's a little late. And uh, honestly, we were about to pack it up here at You Hate Movies headquarters, but our very own Tyler Hans said, no, no, everyone sit down. We need <laughs> a Christmas down. episode. Now, <laughs> this is actually Patrick's idea. He said, let's do something for Christmas, but he didn't. That's as far as the, his yeah, suggestion The went. text message read. <laughs> Christmas actually, episode. Actually, yeah, I'll read it. I was trying to get guys. the ball rolling, you know. And yeah, here we are. And thank you. You did. Yeah. He said, here's my... <laughs> He said, here's what I'm thinking. December 17th, a Christmas episode. And that means that we need to record it tonight. So Tyler replies, <laughs> when should we record? Patrick <laughs> says, when can you guys record? Uh, and then we planned to do the recording that we're doing currently. Now, here we are. Here we are. Now, a Christmas episode. I think <laughs> that what you guys uh, are going to hear from us tonight is actually very valuable. And I'm glad that we're here together to finally put it onto the Internet. Yeah, and full disclosure, when we were about to start, uh, Tyler said, come on, let's just do it, guys. Come on. <laughs> so you have him to thank. And then Mike said, I don't have anything left. He just said, I don't have any good insights anymore. And Tyler said, that's when it's best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Tom Hanks who said that uh, if it was easy, everyone would do it. It's the hard stuff that's good. Oh, It's so the wise. hard stuff <laughs> that's, that's <right>. good. <laughs> Well, when you don't have Bethany on an episode, just get Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> take care of it. So over the years of uh, celebrating the Home Alone um, double feature, we have begun developing a theory birthed out of, of these films. And uh, we think we're at a point now where it's developed enough that we're prepared to present it to you. Does anyone want to introduce the theory by name? Uh, yeah, it, this is the front door Santa theory. Compelling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mike's already in. Yeah. So you're you're welcome. You hate movies, listeners. Tonight, you this is the first night of the rest of your lives. Yeah, I focus grouped it. I focus grouped this theory. Now, the theory, as Tyler pointed out, has been one that we've been developing in committee during the mini screenings. Last night was the seventh annual Home Alone party that we've formally hosted uh-huh. and then all of us have been watching both of those movies in perpetuity since their and initial release. And we're still release. finding stuff oh, yeah. in them every 28 year. 28 yeah. years yeah. of Home Alone actually. Did you realize that? 28 years since 1990. Of Home Alone. And I, I did some thinking and I think that it's very reasonable to say that I've certainly at least watched Home Alone every holiday season in the 28 years since its release and there was a good spell in there in its initial popularity where i probably watched it more than that yeah so that means that like you've been watching this movie dozens of times at this point like 28 times 28 times is a lot to see a movie i mean a lot 
to yeah. see him. There movie. is no other movie you've seen more than that. Like, well, yeah, it's hard. Be? It's hard to. I remember You're getting into something else here. Let's let's focus. <laughs> what man? No, no. This is what it's I'm all about. I'm not telling you to conjure it up. I'm just saying. No, I actually fact. think that's you, important no to point out for the sake of this theory because people done. love to say, and I'm sure I've done this rant on an episode before. People <laughs> love to say, I've seen that movie a hundred times. They really mean like six. Right. Six is a lot of times to see a movie. Sure. How many times have you seen Jurassic Park? Uh, I used to count it, and I, I had a paper hanging on my wall where I would tally mark it. And oh when gosh. I got to 30, I stopped. Because uh-huh. I was like, I don't okay, want to do so this anymore. So that movie you have, but the normal person has not seen it. No, no. And okay. I was doing that because I want. I was like, I'm sure. going to count how many times. You know, there's like stories about how so-and-so went to see Empire Strikes Back 70 times in the theaters. I, we have a friend who's been on the podcast, actually, Peter Rollo. Claims to have seen uh, the Fellowship of the Ring in theaters thirteen oh, times. Gosh. I think that's, was the number you said. Oh my gosh, that's, that's a so lot 13, of times. Thirteen times three. It's like that's too many hours of one movie. Oh god! And for Fellowship of the Ring, give me a freaking break. He's a pro. So you watch a movie like Home Alone upwards of twenty-eight times. You start to mm-hmm. see stuff that and put things together that you you start to form a uh, a, th- a theology, if you will. Yeah. Of what we now call front door Santa. A profound worldview. And especially when you watch it in committee, because upon, you know, viewings thirty plus and more, when you're watching it at a group, all movie etiquette appropriately goes out the window. You've got to hoot and holler, you've mm-hmm. got to yell and point at the screen, look at this thing and hell yeah. here comes my mm-hmm. favorite part. Because we've all seen it thirty times. It's it's perfectly acceptable at this point, at to, this point. to yell and go bananas. So, uh, along these uh, seven formal parties that we've had over the last seven Christmases, um, we started to notice certain things, and it all begins uh, with Kevin's wish. Now, if you've seen Home Alone, and if you're listening to this episode, then hopefully, what are you doing to yourself? (laughs) If you have... (laughs) Yes. The, The... the list of spoilers is on our website, and we're certainly to get into a number of Christmas films tonight that you may or may not have seen, so be prepared. Yeah, Patrick will start bleeping us. You should have a bleeper. That would be way more effective than you writing down the spoilers. You want to bleep yeah, us in real time like Deadpool? <laughs> and then we release two versions, spoiler censored, spoiler... spoiler so an R version and a PG-13? Uncensored, yeah. Once Upon a U8 Movies. So it all begins with Kevin Wish, Kevin's Wish, the original Home Alone film... Uh, after Kevin gets into trouble for the fight, he starts over the lack of cheese pizza, which Mike last night observed could be a perceived lack of cheese pizza. Isn't right. that right? Yeah. Because you say you argue that he doesn't actually even check. The pizza gets there, and after the whole kerfuffle with the policeman at the door and then them talking about who's going to pay for the pizza, then Kevin goes in there, immediately looks for his cheese pizza, but doesn't look really hard, and then Buzz interjects <laughs> with taunting him and saying that he ate all the If you the want some pizza. cheese pizza, someone's going to have to barf it all yeah. up. So he's taking Buzz's word for it that all the cheese pizza is Yeah, it's, yeah he's just sure. allowing Buzz to antagonize him as he's standing there folding a piece of pizza into his mouth. That's right. so gross. So uh, they have the kerfuffle, as Mike says. Kevin gets sent to his room on the staircase. He says that he wish he didn't even have a family. Mm. And then his mom knowingly acknowledges the wish. She becomes <laughs> kind she of kinda steady sh- for a moment. Yeah. You said like she shudders. She like yeah. Moves. I think yeah. I think yeah. she's aware. The mood in the air becomes very rigid. Yeah, it's like she is sobered by the moment, yeah. and she says. Well, say it again, and maybe it'll happen. If there's anything we've learned from the mythology of Beetlejuice, it's that repetition can bring 
anything. Especially once, like the contract, I believe at that point the contract is hanging in the balance and they're waiting. And uh, uh, Front Door Santa is waiting. We'll get to him in just a second. And part of Kevin's mom, I don't know if she's completely aware or if she's like on some kind of supernatural wavelength aware, but she says, say it again, maybe it'll happen. Almost daring Kevin, if I you, have a if you want to walk her, this road. <laughs> Mm-mm. Then you're gonna have uh-huh. to walk. I it. won't do that right now. But yeah, but I just I I think she's powerful. That the front door Santa is teaching her a lesson as well. I yeah, think, well, clearly there's a connection, right? To but her. I'm saying she doesn't have a link. She's going at it with yeah. him. She's there, sinking down to his level. There are lessons to be learned all around, and front door Santa will will work his magic. Yeah, in his in his providential craftiness. Uh, so. It's almost to me like if you've seen another movie, uh, Labyrinth, where Sarah has to wish specifically for the goblins to come and take her baby brother away. And then it begins this whole thing about like, oh, my gosh, I wish I didn't wish this thing. And she has to go solve the labyrinth. That's what's happening here. It's like Aladdin when Genie says, careful what you wish for. (laughs) Does he say that? Sure he does. (laughs) (laughs) If not, it's a wasted line. (laughs) It's such a waste. So Kevin says, I wish or I hope I never see any of you jerks again. And he ascends the rest of the stairs up into the room. And then immediately a storm descends on the McAllister neighborhood. Now clouds gather around the McAllister house, which is an impressive, lovely home. Ominous Christmas music starts. Yeah, the John Williams score. <laughs> and... Previously, there's no indication whatsoever that there's any storm a brewing. Mm-mm. We've seen exterior shots. We've had people outside. No one's commented on, oh, my God, there's a huge thunderstorm coming or anything like that. Now a storm descends, and the director, Christopher Columbus, purposefully chooses to have the camera move in for an extreme close-up on none other than an effigy of Santa Claus hanging in the wreath on the front door. Front door. Front door Santa. The wreath is jostled by the wind and the storm starts to act up big time. And if you look closely, there's a twinkle in his eye. <laughs> is there? And a knowing <laughs> nod. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's if you're really, that's like if you want to, if you want to see it, you know, if you want to see it, it's there. If you're open to front door Santa. If, you, yeah, if you've invited front door Santa. It's kind of like if you believe and you look into that snow globe in the Santa Claus, you'll see it. Oh, right. So if you don't see front door Santa move, then Then you're not a believer. Yeah. So then the storm knocks the power out, which becomes the catalyst and the McAllister's waking up late, um, rushing out in a hurry, not taking the time to account for everyone. And a lot of little cues happen along the way to make it perfect for Kevin to not be um, in the van with everyone. When they leave, the neighborhood kid shows up at exactly the right time to be counted in Kevin's stead. Mm-hmm. Kevin obviously had to be upstairs, sent away from his family to be left behind in the first place. Um, he slept in, obviously, because there was no alarm clock uh, up there either, even if there would have been one. And now the family is off on their way to Paris while Kevin is home alone. To Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, that was right. the title. The name yeah. of the movie. <laughs> yeah. To Kevin's estimation, his wish has been granted. Yeah. Now he comes down. He comes down all sleepy-eyed and bedheaded, and he looks into the camera, breaks the fourth wall, and says, "I made my family disappear." Yes, and he, we, most viewers 
are under the assumption that like, ah, Kevin is dumb eight year old. Mm -hmm. He thinks he wished his family away, but we know better. It was a miscommunication, a misunderstanding that accidentally separated them temporarily. But I submit to you, the listener, that Kevin is correct and you are mistaken. He did. (laughs) He did wish his family away and that wish was granted by but, front door Santa. But they didn't disappear. They were sent away in a uh, series of perfectly orchestrated events that separated him from his family. Yes. In effect, yeah. they he didn't, made his family They disappear. didn't enter some sort of purgatory type state. No. Waiting no. to re- reappear. And Hyperbolically and figuratively speaking, he made his family disappear. Right. And it doesn't end there because along the way, there are little things that uh, you, faithful listener and faithful viewer of the Home Alone film, have probably chalked up to uh, maybe inconsistent writings or a little bit of uh, an oversight on the screenwriter or filmmaker's parts. But I submit to you, faithful listener, are actually purposeful uh, indications of the providence of Front Door Santa because things like, oh, the cop is so lazy, you know, Sergeant Balzac (laughs) uh, and the other lady that's Uh doing ribbon curls. Right. Uh, they send an officer there. He knocks on the door and says, there's nobody home. The place looks secure. Tell them to count their kids again. Right, right. And you're like, what kind of lazy cop? No, front door Santa. He's looking at him dead in the eyes. Yeah, is sitting oh, there wow. inches away from him and works him off the porch. <laughs> That's what I think. That's what that I think. That's a good call. Meanwhile, so, Kevin's walking all around town, Chicago or wherever he's in. Yeah, the suburbs of Chicago. He's just waltzing around town, shoplifts at one point, gets into trouble. Everywhere he goes, people are like, hey, son, are you, where are your parents? What's going on? And he makes up inconsistent stories everywhere mm-hmm. he goes. Right. Meanwhile, his parents are calling everyone they know. Oh, has anyone seen our kid? Can, they've they've been in touch with the police department and right. sent an officer to the house. None of these things are connecting because front door Santa wills it so. Even even um, Kevin's mom has a hard time finding a flight home because front door Santa won't allow her a seat. Right, front door Santa. Oh, he's taking all the seats. Yes, front door Santa can't allow anyone to get home. Until the curse has been lifted. Until he's asked for Santa to return his family. Yeah. So that's, a, you know, the most telling, I think, is that in the scuffle with the wet bandits, Old Man Marley knocks out, uh, or I guess Old Man Marley's stunt double, yeah. knocks out the wet <laughs> bandits, and then says, let's get you home. He mm-hmm. takes Kevin back to an empty house. The cops show up, and through this... Kevin is not accounted for. Why aren't they saying what exactly happened? Why are they in this yeah, house? He's yeah. in cahoots with front door o- Santa. Old man Marley did not give any statements to the police saying this young child across the street was being attacked. But by he's them. a believer then too. Well, I think old he man was, Marley. He's yeah. under the control of front door Santa's in control. Yeah, his will is being it's controlled. Puppeteering. So we don't know exactly how, but somehow front door Santa kept Kevin from being unearthed in a, in that interaction when mm. it should have happened a million different ways. And you could say, wow, that seems dumb. That's yeah. bad writing. Now, but no. Do you tell, you're going to, Mike, let's yes. ask you this. If you still have any skepticism here. Do you think that it's merely a coincidence that in the very same moment that Kevin is grabbed by the heel by a wet bandit, there's a tarantula within arm's reach? Do you think that's a coincidence? No, how could it be? Because the tarantula was like downstairs at one point. It's just, yeah, it was just there. Providence of front yeah. door Santa. Front door Santa. I'm, 
Yeah, I'm there. Now, Front Door Santa is not as cruel and arbitrary as one might think. He doesn't just grant the cruel wish and leave uh, Kevin in his misery. He obviously has a lesson to teach. Like any good Front Door Santa would. You might uh, ask yourself, well, doesn't Kevin specifically ask for the curse to be lifted prior to his interaction with the Wet Bandits? And the answer is yes, he does, but via a courier. Because he goes to the uh, uh, little kind of pseudo mall Santa. Uh-huh. He's just in a random Santa right. village, and he says to front door, or he says to the Santa proxy, he says, "I know you're not the real Santa. I'm old enough to know how it works, but I also know you work for him. Can you deliver a message?" And the proxy Santa says, "Shoot," and he tells him, "Oh, I don't want any presents. I just want my family back for Christmas." Now we need time for the courier to go and pray to Front Door Santa. No, it's not even that. It says he wants them back for Christmas, and that's exactly when his mom shows up. That's true, but I do think that maybe like the I like to think that the proxy Santa gets in his car and he's like, I don't know if you're out there, Front Door Santa, but this oh, kid like just a came to or me. Something. Yeah, and he's acting okay. as a liaison okay. to Front Door Santa. Just the way Kevin thought it was. Sure. I actually really like the Kevin McAllister Santa network theory as well. This is like a sub theory, sub sub worldview in the Home Alone (laughs) franchise is that Kevin is working under the belief that these mall Santas and and Christmas Village Santas are all working in a network hierarchy for the main Santa. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot to this theory. And I think that we're going to pass it on to our kids that they might recognize it as well. I also want to point out about Tyler's theory that he proposed this aloud in our viewing last night and he was met with a kind of sneering like, Oh, doesn't everyone do that? That's what I've always been taught. So you, the listener, will you leave a comment on this episode and reveal whether or not you were told that the mall Santas were employees of the real Santa because I was actually told that. And the reason was that they were visibly and verifiably horrible. Right. They're yeah. clearly not the real Santa. Yeah. In, in Portland, we have authentically bearded, tenured Santas who are more committed to the to the Yeah, you, craft. Could, if, you could, if you want, go get the same Santa. Yeah. And they look, they look like it. They have real beards. Yeah. But I actually had Santas that looked like the one in Home Alone. They or, had like or the, they, yeah, or they looked like Billy Bob Thornton and yep. Bad Santa. <laughs> Not quite so bad. <laughs> but an elastic band, right. cotton ball beard. So I think we're going to embrace that eyebrows. theory. Uh Twofold. One, because clearly there's a lot of mall Santas out there that are not convincing. And so we're not going to tell our kids that's the real Santa. But we're going to say that Santa works for the real Santa. And two, I think that this this theory is is pretty sound because it also accounts for how in the world Santa could deliver gifts to all the kids in the world in one night. I think that we need to take it to the next step further where we have like. The proxies are imbued uh, we have with power. A, no, we have a Santa dedicated to our region. It's like our regional Santa delivers all the presents for wow, us that's as, doing that. as part of a larger network of Santas that are all working around the globe. I don't know, man. I think that the Arthur Christmas yeah, mythology has taken one. it to the, the most plausible realm of fantasy. Did you see Arthur Christmas? No, I haven't. Oh, it's great. Oh. Check it out. So good. And you, the it's listener, really good. check it out. Blu-ray if you're but the real yeah, question, yeah. Tyler, is what do you, yeah, your kids will love it. And speaking of them, what will you teach your kids about front door Santa? Uh, to fear him, <laughs> <laughs> to respect him, to respect to him, re- yeah, rev- now, to reverence uh, him. Where do the powers of Front Door Santa extend? Is he omniscient? Is he omnipotent? 
Well, I wonder if, you know, Fuller is right at the conclusion of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York when he says, are you are you kidding? He's omnipresent, he says, the front door Santa. Because there has to be at least a sort of um, more than just spatially located, if not totally omnipresent, front door Santa. Front door Santa, I think his rule and reign extends, his providential control extends to those areas where maintaining the wish and the fulfillment of the wish is necessary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you think that the the powers that Front Door Santa has been in, endued with, endowed with, are just the the general powers of the magic of Christmas? Anytime we see a Santa in a film, uh, like Tim Allen in the Santa Claus, he's making he's making fireplaces appear just based on the magic of Christmas. Do you think that that's the same magic that he's he's um, utilizing here well it has to be a little more than that because he's actually like somehow steering the consciousness of human beings to make ends meet Mm. in his in his pawn of puppets yeah it seems more elemental like whatever force brought us santa claus that force is still out there working i think it's kind of like old as the universe itself yeah uh, in a video game josiah DePauli will appreciate this in a video game there's uh, (laughs) a there's like only so much you can do you know like if uh if going to this area and doing this thing is something the game allows you to do to complete the game, then you can do it. But that anyone who's ever played, you know, like a Zelda game is like, how come I can't get up there? How can I can't go behind that house? Like, well, the game doesn't, you don't need to, so the game won't let you. It's not programmed that way. I think that front door Santa, when a wish contract is engaged and signed effectively, perhaps by two parties, according to Patrick's theory, the two-party front door Santa theory, then Santa's uh, front door Santa's providential control extends to those areas necessary to maintain wish fulfillment. Mm. So if he needs to be in the airport in France to keep Kevin's mom off the plane, then he has he has rule and he's sovereign over that right. Uh, right. airport. So so front door Santa has enough um, enough. M- Mental capacity to see into the future and plan many moves in advance to orchestrate these these scenarios as far as 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 it needs to be extended, whether it be Paris or Miami or Orlando. Where did they go? Florida, Paris and Miami. Yeah, or or it be New York City running from the Sticky Bandits. His powers will will get there. Yeah, and not only that. Once the curse is lifted and the wishes, the lesson, the wish lesson has been successfully. Uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Once it's not ju- not just that he's learned it, but the life lesson. Yes, it's been fulfilled. Then um, the entire curse lifts, which explains exactly why uh, Kevin's mom arrives via John Candy truck the exact moment, uh, just uh, thirty seconds to a minute prior to the rest of the family arrive, because the curse has been lifted now. Everyone can get back the force field from the around the house. Have been yeah. Right. So we we are in order for us to to acknowledge the the existence of the front door Santa theory, we have to recognize when a wish has been uh, spoken and when a wish has been what redacted or when he he goes to Santa in the first one he says I want my family back. He is it. What do you what is that ceremonial moment? 
He's, he's recalling the wish. He's saying, I learned my lesson. I want them back. Yeah, I think he's just he's effectively. But it's not just saying it. It has to be true. Right. So it's in his heart. He's learned a lesson and he's he's changed. He's able to articulate character. it. Yeah. So in the first one, he goes to Santa and he says, I want my family back for Christmas. And in the second one, he goes to the tree and says, I want. If I yeah, just he have prays to the tree, and I think the tree at that point is receiving the prayers of front door mm. Santa as a proxy. Right. But in the in the in the <laughs> first one, tree. in the first one, we see that the um, the the motion has already been set for Kevin's mom to return home, and then in the second one, when he's wishing to the tree that he has his mom back, she immediately shows up so quickly that he says, "Whoa, that was fast." So we have to believe the front door Santa knew when Kevin would learn his lesson, the exact moment, so precisely knew that Kevin would learn his lesson by this moment in time and place that he had to orchestrate all of the things in motion to get his mom to that place. Right. Too. Well, I think that front door Santa can see into Kevin's mind and heart and into Kevin's future and into the it's possibility. Kind of like Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. So it's almost like, um, Front door Santa brought Kevin's mom to New York, but was keeping her at bay, running around looking as the police officer said for a needle in a haystack. Maybe time isn't linear for front door Santa. Well, I think that there's a little bit of an editing thing going on because we can't see those two scenes simultaneously. So I think that the prayer to the tree is happening simultaneously to the conversation with the cop. So in the movie, the editing is uh, we it's see immediate. the conversation with the cop and then it cuts to Kevin praying to the tree. Mm-hmm. And we realize, oh, she remembers he loves trees. He's going to be at the tree. But so really, they're happening simultaneously. And they have to be because so then she shows up. In the moment that he says, I just want my mom back, that's the exact moment where she says, oh, my gosh, I know where he is. Yeah, they're happening simultaneously. They're right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Boom. Okay. Front door Santa said, curse lifted. Now you know where he's at. And then okay. she... Right. So here's my question. What is front door Santa's motive? Why is he doing this? Is it... What are you talking about? He's Santa. So he's creating these scenarios to create legends for us to tell each other so that we keep Christmas alive. Well, front door Santa... (laughs) Now, front door Santa... Motive Christmas is, is the time at, for learning lessons. Is, a, yeah. is at the heart of, you know, like Charles Dickens and Dr. Seuss, is that... In order to learn the true spirit of the holidays, sometimes people have to confront hard life lessons about their own selves, their own mm-hmm. selfishness. Sure. Repent of that and learn to keep the holiday well. Kevin was not being, he was not keeping Christmas well when he's like, families suck. It's mm. true. You know? Do you think the front door Santa was the one animating the furnace in the basement? Or oh, was yeah. The, or did the furnace come to life because front door Santa was no longer in the basement in storage to keep him in check? Either way, I think the furnace really was coming to life. And it's not just like a, it's not just like, oh, it's my imagination, my imagination. Because we see it, the audience sees yeah, it. Right. So I think that like, uh, that's part of the supernatural element that, that proves the front door Santa theory is true. I also think that there's a kind of a shared universe, either by implication, homage in uh, Michael Doherty's uh, Krampus movie, Mm -hmm. because uh, Max makes a wish, storm descends on the town, power is eliminated, and in that movie we get something of a backdoor Santa, who is the Krampus, shows up to teach a similar kind of lesson, but with different conclusions. Yeah, yeah so it doesn't, end as, it doesn't end as well for them in yeah. their life lesson. Right. And so if the front door Santa only has powers when the wish has been activated, when the contract has started. 
Well, he, he only he has he has those powers. He's only like allowed to use. Right. So them. it's the video game thing where he can only use his powers if a contract has been. So if it's like, like when Aladdin finds the the lamp. Yeah, yeah. So like if we have this situation where back to Aladdin. Uh, <laughs> uh, Christmas dies and no one celebrates Christmas for thousands of years and front door Santa is just waiting for someone to activate the contract again well he's just paralyzed yeah but I think they have to be in a kind of dark darkened place to be like you know if, if I was like I wish that I was you know like I wish that my whole house would fall down on Christmas so that I wouldn't have to worry about these lights ever again you know, because I was so frustrated with hanging out my Christmas lights. I wasn't, but if I was, the your neighbors were. Neighbors, then, yeah. like, suddenly, <coughs> thunder, and you'd see that uh, wreath rattling on my front door, front door Santa. It's like, oh, right. that's what you want? No. Mm. Then yeah, cut to a week later as my whole community comes around me to help me finish <laughs> this house. I'm like, you know what? I'm glad I have this house. Uh-huh. And then it's like, hey, we just found out that the insurance is going to cover this. So it all the curse is lost. Providence of front door Santa. Yeah. Now, uh, to, uh, I've had a I've had a skepticism. I'll write about a better movie. You'll like to. I'll write a letter. <laughs> I've had a skepticism of front door Santa, uh, in that, before Kevin even makes his wish, in that skerfuffle, if you will, with Buzz, mm-hmm. you see Kevin's ticket, his airplane ticket, go into the trash. And so the question is, were these events already set into motion? And my skepticism is that oh well front door santa couldn't have orchestrated that but now i'm starting to wonder if front door santa is always at play in our lives mm. whether we like it or not prepared setting the stage prepared for what might come mm. should i like should that. A wish be activated i like that because so he, he's setting the stage and he's uh involved and even interacting with our world but had the wish not been fully active the contract not signed uh, they probably just would have found his. No, I don't like that. Ticket. I don't like call the airline. I don't like front door Santa uh, having power to do that without being welcomed, because it seems like he could run the risk of just instigating people to make these wishes. No, to enter because, the contracts. No, because he sees what's in there. He sees what's going on. At that point, the thing doesn't get knocked in until Kevin starts going nuts on uh, Buzz. Yeah, but can front door Santa be corrupted? Huh. No. No, he's made of Christmas spirit. Right. He's powered by Christmas spirit. Everyone uh, knows that about no, Mendoza. Patrick oh, has a, a parallel theory with Basement Frosty or Rooftop Frosty. How do yeah, we yeah, refer yeah. to him? So in uh, Christmas with the Cranks, the, cl- the holiday classic. There Which is also a Chris Columbus project. Screenplay. Yeah, he wrote it. He wrote yeah. the, Chris he Columbus had, directed. Chris Columbus directed the Home Alone films and then wrote Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah, adapted from a novel by John Grisham. <laughs> that's ac- okay. that's Which absolutely one is that true. One again? Cranks. Yeah. yeah, Tim Allen. The yeah. novel so, is called yeah. Skipping Jamie Christmas. Lee Curtis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very. They annoying. even they even given a acknowledgement to the novel title where he writes the letter, the memo the to memo. us, and he says, "We are simply skipping Christmas." That's the name of the book. Anyway, tell us about Frosty. Yeah, so several points in the movie three that I can think of. We see that the frosty snowmans that the neighborhood puts on their roofs for decorations are actually alive and can actually uh, do the work of some kind of 
uh, so mad spirit. They seem aggressive and hostile. They, yeah, they seemed aggressive and hostile. Its face clearly yet. changes in the basement. It like scowls. Right. Yeah, and then it, when uh, he's trying to put him on the roof, the eyes light up, which makes him fall off the roof. He actually he he throws himself. Frosty throws himself at Tim Allen. Yeah, trying to trying to take them both. It's like a kamikaze. <laughs> Pilot trying yeah. to take them both off I, of the rooftop. And then at the end of the movie, when it's all wrapped up and everything's happy, like uh, Front Door Santa's job has been done, Frosty is happy and is happily waving. waving. Yeah, he's yes, just fully animated at I, that point. But the the first Frosty, the evil Frosty that, that tried to throw Tim Allen off that rooftop, crashed into a, a bunch of pieces and they brought in another Frosty. Do you think that these Frosties have different personalities? They respawn. What, it, what were you going to say, Mike? Uh, yeah so the frosty thing to me is uh comes alive because of the whole thing where they're trying to avoid christmas right so it's a front door back door slash side door santa thing so i think it's just a sliding door santa (laughs) it's a sliding door santa so i think yeah it is empowered by uh one of these santas because they're trying to push Christmas what the heck does side door Santa do? I think he That's is ridiculous. No, no, no. I think it's a, I think <laughs> yeah. it's part of mischief. The mischief <laughs> that surrounds the people that avoid Christmas. The people that avoid uh, Christmas uh-huh. get side door Santa, and side door Santa makes them pay for it by so it conjuring up and people, possessing. Okay, Frosties people who haven't things. renounced Christmas but aren't keeping it well get front door Santa and his heart, his tough love. Right. Sure. Tough love life lesson. Heart in the language of the film itself when uh hope is lost and Christmas spirit is forgotten. That's when backdoor Santa aka the Krampus or whatever in that movie he takes the form of the Krampus. Right. But backdoor Santa shows up. Right. And then you don't get a good lesson. You just, that's it. No, you yeah, get you, gone. You get, you get gone. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then side door Santa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God, I'm I'm glad we stayed up. <laughs> Side door Santa is uh, those Christmas avoiders. He's such a specific spirit. That's why. <laughs> side door. Yeah. Yeah, he's a side door. Uh, he comes <laughs> in. He's like, specific you think you're gonna skip Christmas? <laughs> yeah, because I think it's more for the people that have had a well-established Christmas tradition, like the Cranks did. Yeah, they and don't. And then all of a sudden, Christmas. they just dip. And they say, you know what? We're not having it anymore. We're going to do something else. Then that door gets opened up. Side door. Santa comes in and wreaks havoc on them. Right, let me ask you this, though. So side uh, Christmas with the cranks, they boycott Christmas so they can go on a cruise because yes. it's they're saving all this money and all. Uh, if they said a different way of putting it would have been, you know what? We're going to celebrate celebrate Christmas. I hope they don't say I'm going to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> celebrate late. Celebrate Christmas. It's like eleven thirty now. In the it's Bahamas, <laughs> <laughs> we're out late. Um, they would be keeping Christmas in a different way, and would they be innocent at that point to all I the think, Santas? I think the fr- I think since their tradition was so set in stone for them and the neighborhood. I don't know, man. I feel like the cranks got a bad rap. They still donated to the hospital. They still donated to the church. I, look, I'm they not. Match their she gifts. was working, at, not, she was working hey, at the soup kitchen. I'm too. all about them going on a cruise. I support the cranks, mm-hmm. but Side Door does not. But because right. they didn't buy the calendar from the cops, I, then they deserve all no, those. Yeah. I think it's based on the Frosty itself. Okay. The kids came over. Free and Frosty. Asked, yes. 
That's why it's such a so strong. So Frosty is like the See, guardians right. of the neighborhood. <laughs> I think that like, you know, 40 minutes in, we've given the listeners so much to think about. Chew on And it. to engage with on our website. This is going to be the most active comment section <laughs> of any of our episodes. Um, so I want to say this since we'll probably not do a full on official episode of Christmas with the Cranks. Unless no, the listeners demand no. it, yeah, wink, should, wink. That movie's the worst. <laughs> it's so good. But I want to say this to end with a uh, small episode of Christmas with the Cranks right now. What the heck? That movie doesn't make any freaking sense. Yeah. Why do they need to dispense with every single detail of the Christmas holidays? It makes sense that they're like, oh, we're going to save money, but to do that, we need to not buy, I, you know, buy stuff and blah, blah, blah. The, the Why magic do they is need gone. to not do, you get do the money magic. stuff? He is Tim mad. Tim is sad. Yes. He's sad. Yes, exactly. And the magic is gone that Blair is not there. Yes. He the, the is movie. dealing with his emotions about his daughter going to trip. You guys are Prometheus that. Blair. That's... That's such a read-in. Blair, Blair. makes total sense. The movie gives you no indication that's you true. Don't, you can't you read a man's emotions I like think that? she's. I think Blair is jumping into this relationship a little too quickly. We all do. We all do. Really, what more can be said? Please leave many, many comments on this episode at youhatemovies.com. While you're there, weigh in on how many episodes you would like to hear about Christmas with the Cranks. And whether or not you would like to hear us dive deep into our many, many theories about the 12 dates of Christmas. 